official unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast in the world. That's right, Adam. I'm Aaron Schroeder. <laughs> I watch way too much Oregon Ducks sports. I don't know. We messed up this intro already. You know, we do it different every week. Now it's great. Adam, this week yeah. I watched three quarters of a game. Mm, is that so? That's true. What, what are these because games? Oh, oh, three quarters of an Oregon football game is what you're saying. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I watched three quarters of one singular football game because okay. somebody is terrible at scheduling college football. Somebody is, you mean somebody's schedule, uh, someone's terrible at scheduling watching college football or? No, whoever <laughs> is in charge uh -huh. of scheduling the freaking games. And then also something has to be done about this rogue asshole called overtime. Oh, yeah. It's getting us every... I mean, it's, that was a pretty fun... Oh, both of these overtime games have been fantastic. That is unfortunate. We should say that. Yes. And but, that's not Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov's fault, by the way. Well, you know, I'm just going to say it out loud right now. Okay. Who's the old guy? Larry David? No, Larry Scott. Larry <laughs> David created Seinfeld. It's a double first name. It's so confusing. Yeah. Larry never Scott. happened on Larry Scott's time. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, happened all the time on this time, actually, <laughs> and, and so much worse. You but know, for real, this mm -hmm. is three games in a row where it has been kicked over. Three weeks in a row, I should say, where the game has been kicked over to a different channel. Screws up my entire DVR process. Mm. It's it's horrible, Adam. Well, what a what a privileged and terrible life you live. But um, worse. My man. So those three quarters, I'm imagining you watch second, third, and fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, I think it came in at 13 minutes in the first quarter, maybe. Oh, they so had scored 14 points already. So however much time was right <laughs> after that. Well, I'll tell you this. It was an amazing butt kicking of Colorado. Um, it was finally a game we, we've been wanting to see for so long here where Anthony Brown just comes in and takes command you know yeah. and, and the ducks actually get a good lead going and for a second there it looks like it could be you know i don't think anyone really thought colorado was going to come roaring back with our you know our third string defense or second string defense out there for yeah Jeez. Uh, and with uh you know qb2 we'll talk about him a little later but um it okay. it, it was nice to see that it was like even when they're getting closer we were just like nope time to pull away a little bit further you know yeah there was a moment of concern mm -hmm. when uh yeah when the interception heard round the world happened oh good old ty thompson from yeah. old little baby bear uh that i was like okay we'll probably win but like by a score <laughs> yeah they're just gonna <laughs> come back and we'll win by seven and that's the game that's what well, i was expecting aaron i do appreciate that um you have the entire season the entire time you have backed Anthony Brown as that's our right. starting QB, as the QB that's going to take us all the way even. Uh, well, we let me ask you this. Yeah, what, you know, normally this question might get reserved for Hithley Day, but I want to give it to you today. Okay, let's hear it. That was a rhyme. Um, <laughs> well, day and day. But... Day with day, so yeah, lame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, sorry. What was it? The question was... Uh, his ability to throw the deep pass this game. 
Yeah. I am assuming that had more to do with the failures of Colorado than with the, because he was throwing dangerous passes at the same time. At least yeah. according to the announcers, he was being very dangerous. Well, yeah, he was thrown in the middle of the field a lot more, and they yeah. were a little afraid of that, especially late. Um, that being said, he was doing well doing it. I mean, he had like longs of, you know, he had like a, a 33-yard pass to die, 28-yard pass to Franklin, 25-yard yeah. pass to Williams. Um, so, And I think that intermediate, particularly uh, the intermediate pass, he is just all of a sudden it has turned on ever since the bye week, you know, because against UCLA, kind of the same deal. Like we were finally like hitting longer shots, even against Cal above 20 yards on UCLA. I don't remember that Um, against UCLA. I, I mean, I, he was picking apart a little bit further than like, you know, the screen passes, the little short dinky passes we've been going right. for. Um, Yeah. Uh, first of all, before we get too into football and before we uh, bring in his <laughs> before we do the show, before we do the show show, I want to do a little shout out uh, to, of course, the one and only Oregon women's basketball team who uh, who played not their first official game of the season, but they did play an exhibition game. And I think it's worth noting because, mm -hmm. you know, we love our Lady Ducks or just Ducks, but we, we love our women's basketball team so much. Great. It really program. keeps us going. Absolutely. Uh, men have not played an exhibition game, but. Uh, yeah, we pl they played again. Um, I believe they're called the Saint Martin's Saints. I don't like that name. Saint Saint Martin's, Martin's Saints. Saints was sure. the name. Um, they weren't very good to tell you the truth. They were really overwhelmed. In fact, after the first quarter, we had a twenty-four to zero lead, <laughs> and at the half, we had a forty-seven to seven lead. Wow. So that's kind of what we were going against. But it was also just really nice to see new players contribute. Um, like, oh, yeah, uh, India Rogers. I believe she played for USC, if I'm not wrong. Uh, she was fun as hell to watch, and she's going to be big coming up here. Uh, it was also nice to see, you know, the classics. Talking about Pow Pow. Talking about uh, Maddie Shear looked good out there. Sedona Prince, of course. Right. And, she's a senior uh, this yeah. year. What's that? She's a senior this year? No, honestly, I get kind of, uh, I could look it up, but I'll tell it's you. It's all wishy-washy with the COVID shit, huh? With the COVID, plus she's had a full year of injury, plus like, you know, and same with Niara Sobley. I think she's had like two full seasons. Right. It's so confusing, man. And COVID. So, I mean, like, she's a veteran presence at this point, and especially like, you know, character-wise, I think she's right. huge presence on the team. Um. I'm just saying, I you know, it's an exhibition game, so we don't want to take too much of it. But I'll tell you this, man. Pow, pow. We had a hard time finding the three, even when she was on the court. And then later in the season when she was off due to injury, we had a real hard time finding the three. In this, she was four or five from deep. Overall, I mean, overall, the Ducks shot really well. Good. They, they look tall as hell. They're taller. Somehow they are taller. Than they were last season. Um, and I'll do just you have any news on incoming, like freshmen who showed up and were looking smart? Um, I'll tell you that we definitely uh, transfers uh, were really showing up. Like Shania Pinto, uh, she did really well, three of four from the floor, um, and six rebounds, ten points. So hell yeah! And then um, other than that, no one that really popped out to me too much for an exhibition game playing late you know of course uh, i'll tell you though like uh yeah uh so pinto and rogers india rogers especially the fact that she got the start right off the bat i think that's saying a lot and maddie Shear looks great um, remind me of 
the player's name that was on Arizona that was just a fearsome competitor? Oh yeah, uh, uh, Ari McDonald. Yes. Ooh, we need to get good. her to come over. Oh, I freaking wish. You know, I wish. In the year of anti Arizona, Aaron Schroeder says, <laughs> "Come over." Come over. <laughs> I've Ari already McDonald forgotten. Donald Rover. Um, yeah, well, that doesn't bode well. Maybe we'll talk to George Kleafkoff about it. Yeah. Get him to, you know, push his weight around. Yeah. Uh, my man, I'll tell you this. It's just, uh, I know we're going all over the place, though, but that Colorado game Woo! felt freaking good. It felt good to look good and to dominate. <laughs> Would you argue that we mm-hmm. should have had 72 points? Well, we because I'll tell I you this, we could have. Um, and I'll say this, Aaron. I'll say this again, actually, because Uh-oh. last week when we talked on this very show, the Quackville podcast, that is, um, I said if they scored more than like mm, 17 points on offense, I'd be a little disappointed. Well, here we got them with 29 points, right? That is a little bit rough. Uh, didn't make me feel too happy. And it got some Duck fans legitimately very not happy, actually. Some Duck fans were just like, no. But you got to look clearly. There was They were putting in backups. I mean, we had three injuries to safeties, a position yeah, we were dude. already thin at. Three injuries. Yeah, there was so much of that game, if anybody, that I would assume is the stuff that everybody gets annoyed with or mad at or, you know, Twitter angry. Mm-hmm. You're right. It was nobody. There was maybe one drive where Thibodeau was out, where they still, they were kind of stinking it up a little bit on that drive. And I believe it turned into a touchdown for Colorado, but well, it was also it, the last time Colorado scored. And it was like, or the third, I don't know. I don't I'll think t- there's anything to be mad about. I mean, we're talking about, by I think like, questions have been answered though. Yeah. I think, I mean, Ty I Thompson, I'm- not ready. <laughs> hey, well, I'll say this because I knew you were going to come in with that. I knew Bro. you were coming with that. Ty Thompson is like, just like it would be ridiculous if he came in and threw, you know, did a three play drive on the third uh, play. He just throws a huge bomb for a touchdown. And we're like, he's the best. He should get first. Yeah, it's, it, it's ridiculous to to judge him on that. It'd I know. Ridic- yeah. Dude, I you- know. No, I look, get I get it. It was his one You're drive. Like, he's done, he hasn't played all season. <laughs> Cut him. <laughs> interception tough break had a lot of pressure surrounding him he has played. i get it i would have done the same thing yeah but he he played against the whatever the freaking um i i can't even i'm i'm disrespecting the team by not even remembering their name um but the fc the uh fcs school we played you know what i'm talking about colorado now oh what a diss my man what a diss <laughs> no of course i'm talking about the stony brook sea wolves i kept uh, thinking yes, i'm stony like I, there's some kind of aquatic mammal that doesn't belong in the sea it's the sea wolves that's right he played oh. a little bit against them yeah you want to know which, fun fact what's that do you know the the rapper slash comedian aquafina yeah slash now really just actor aquafina yeah she's from stony brook oh really isn't that cool I like how that didn't come up during our Stony Brook episode. Just found out like two weeks ago. (laughs) And you were like, oh, the Seawolves. 
<laughs> maybe she's a, maybe she's a seawolf. She's knows? from there. I don't think she went to college in Stony Brook. She literally grew up in the town Stony Brook. Mm. If Wikipedia is telling the truth, she must have been crushed when the ducks just blew them up like that. Yeah, just like Colorado, the other uh, you know FCS school that we played. I I gotta say, yeah, anyone's complaining about the 29 points scored it's like take a freaking chill pill and then um because we're talking about like in the top of the fourth we had a 30 we had a commanding lead i'll tell you that (laughs) i love it yeah we had a it was like 45 to 14 lead right right and And it was on that the 20 whenever they got to 21 that was the drive that then the pick sniffy yeah the ducks get the pick and then they score on that one too and then like this is this is uh and, and this is before we'll bring in hitler day in a moment here to really break down this game yeah but um the joyce really what it reminded me of what that final touchdown drive that anthony brown led where they're like okay thompson you're out brown you're back in uh are you a fan of the pixar movie the incredibles i've seen it Okay. Well, do you remember when Dash, the fast little kid, is racing? Like he's he's racing in a high school, right? And he's like so much faster. He's and, like slowing down. Yeah, he's like too fast. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to go back. And he's all, and he goes back to like he's like fourth place. And like, well, yep. don't get fourth. That's not good. And he gets like second. And they're like, yeah, oh, there you go. That that is literally what that final drive felt like to me. Yeah, where it was just like, mm, you know, the the college football playoff rankings the official ones are are coming out on tuesday which is you know today that they were recording um we we should throw on a little more pepper a little more style a little more of a garnish there uh to wrap this game up and actually put it like out of commission there because i mean it was i wasn't worried i was not worried i'll tell you this but it was a two score game in the fourth quarter right Uh, Technically, 45 to 29, even though we so clearly dominated them. By the way, Aaron, you may not even care about this, and kudos to you for not if you don't. But speaking of the playoff committee, breaking news, if you will. I think we actually have a breaking news, but we never use this. Um, Are we in contentions? Oh, oh yeah, baby. Oh shit! What did we rank up to? <laughs> well, we don't have a breaking news, but I'll, I'll get in. I'll get one of those one of these days. I'll tell you this, Aaron. We are number four, which would put us in the playoffs. What happened with Ohio State? Ohio State, my man. I do believe number five. Wow! So they just because in a lot this of people, a, you know, yeah. you went right into a question that I had, which was. When last we spoke with Hithloday, mm-hmm. I believe it was stated that this game needed to be a blowout in order to convince those people. That's why you would do it, yeah. So, okay, so is that that's what happened? Well, I'll tell you this, Aaron. Um, it's a little bit of that, and I'm sure that affected a little bit. If we, if it was a close game against Colorado, maybe that would have been enough. But the committee clearly made a decision because you can tell through a couple other uh key like lineups in this like uh iowa and wisconsin and some other ones in there that they were like even though ohio state probably looks better oregon beat them so they are above them like they made the clear decision of that so i'll just tell you the top six and then we'll bring in our man um number one georgia undefeated eight no looking dang looking like world beaters on defense bravo for them 
Yeah, yeah. Um, number two, Alabama. Seven and one, Alabama. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, the lowest num- they've been ranked in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> number three, Michigan State. Mel Tucker's. That's Michigan right. State. Wow. Pretty nuts. Seven and one. Um, Mel Tucker, they, who could have been at Colorado, just Colorado yeah, they a beat years Michigan. Ago. That's what did it, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. Before us, and then so we get in there, uh, seven and one, number four, four playoff spots. Hell yeah, two below us. Oh, number one is uh, sorry, number five is Ohio State. Number six, undefeated Cincinnati. So there you go. Where we have the possibility of getting the playoffs, kind of means nothing. Kind of means everything. Right. Who the hell cares? Um, that being said. Aaron, let's yes, bring on bring in our uh, boy. I've got a burning question. Our weekly guest, I guess you can call him. He's our third. Him. He's our three. Our third amigo. Our third host. He's unfortunately, Chevy Chase. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. We are obviously. I mean, obviously, the best I'm, friends. <laughs> I'm uh, Steve Martin, and you're Martin Short. I'm Martin yeah. Short, obviously. Obviously, as the shortest one among us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so this is our friend. We bring him all the time. No need for more introduction. If you know this podcast, you hear him every goddamn week. From Addicted to Quack, this is Hifloday1 at H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one, at Hifloday1 on Twitter. Hifloday, how are you doing, friend, after a ferocious beatdown of the Colorado Buffaloes? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing good. Do you care? That the Ducks rank number four in the college football playoff committee's first ranking. No. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Because, I mean, either well, we're going to win or we're not. <laughs> the, what the committee has been very I clear. Care. The yeah. committee's been very clear every year that they, it's not, it, it's it's been very clear that the way that media polls have worked since the inception of media polls, not just the AP, but the Harris poll, and, well, there's several others, uh, that the way that they work is they figure out an initial ranking and then they just move you up and down as you win and lose. Right. Um, And the committee has been very clear and it was honestly the most refreshing thing in the world when they first started doing it in 2014 that like, no, we re-rank every week. We start from scratch every week. Um, Mm. It's not, uh, Oh, you were six last week and you won. So now we move you up to number five or you lost. And so we, now you move you down to number 12. It's uh, okay. We will, you know, we will appraise all 130 FBS teams. We will uh, uh, figure out what your resume is having, you know, the teams that you've beaten and the teams that you've lost to and, you know, from scratch do a re-rank. Um, and the way that I know that they, you know, do it that way is that for six years, I um, was part of the administration team of a mock committee in which we used exactly the same balloting process um, that they do, which is actually really interesting if you have any sort of background i think think we talked about this before the last time we were in probably 2019 (laughs) i guess or before Um, that even like season one y'all yeah. And, anyway, I, I won't tell you the the whole uh, adventures of the mock playoff committee or get into Arrow's unprovability uh, un, 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 un theorem. But like, uh, it's really fascinating from a games theory and from a, a political science perspective how the balloting process works. It's not as obvious as you think. It's it's a multiple round system. But anyway, um, 
every week we predicted the CFP ranking like almost perfectly because we use the same process that they did. And, you know, the key to it is there is the blind re-rank every single week. And so where we're, you know, there's only one poll that matters, which is the last poll. Um, like it's, this is a curiosity at best, how, how anybody's ranked. And and I guess I'll put it this way. If this were like a media poll where Oregon debuts at number four and then wins the rest of its games, they would never drop out, but that's not how it works. It is entirely possible that Oregon wins the rest of its games and drops out of the top four, the Mm -hmm. way that the committee does its, you know, balloting process. Right. Hmm. Um, then we got you know, it, we saw that in 2014 right where TCU yeah. was was in won the rest of their games and then dropped out in you know in the last week because the value of their wins had changed and the value of other teams wins had also changed so like yeah don't don't get excited about it um what we should get excited about is that uh Anthony Brown looked absolutely fantastic this game did a great job uh the whole Oregon offense looked pretty damn yeah. good Aaron, I believe you had a question. Right? I have a big burning question. Oh, right, let's see. And it's it. a bit more about the game rather than the players. So I think it's probably best here. Hithloday, I'm curious mm-hmm. to know from your perspective, was garbage time wait, did did garbage time begin when we scored our fourth touchdown or when they did an onside kick? Uh, garbage time began the instant that Devin Williams caught that beautiful uh, post mm-hmm. route uh, to make the score 45 to 14. Yeah. Okay. When and, was that? Shit. I thought uh, for sure the onside kick was a like no brainer. Oh shit. I mean that it, now. that sure that you know that would be, but like thirty one points in in you know that late in the game, it, you know it's over. Um, there's just no realistic chance of them you know coming back at that point. Right. Yeah. It looks like that was in the the third quarter, I do believe, and um and, and I think people are getting pretty stoked. About Devin Williams, and I think it's uh, obvious why because it does seem. And I liked how much they said this. I didn't know this. I guess. Dude, they talked about it nonstop. Them being roommates, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, I actually didn't know that. Bunk buddies, baby. <laughs> and um, it, I don't know. It was nice to see that clear connection and, and to see uh Brown have like the confidence to some of those. Stories. I mean, there was obviously the one where the guys like around his leg. Yeah, which was uh, that was wild. You know, a bit of a frantic kind of play, like, uh, but pretty spot on pass. Pretty uh, impressive that he was able to get up and get it. And, and I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are really excited about Williams, and uh, I'm joining that train. Not that I ever left, but um, yeah. Let me ask you, Hithliday. It does seem like there's suddenly a whole like. Uh, is there any like new effort? put into the passing game that you've seen as in to like get people open in different spots or targeting uh, maybe trying to get Williams going or or is it truly just Anthony Brown is playing better or have you seen them helping him at all uh, the answer to the question is Anthony Brown is playing better and there's really nothing else that's different or that's changed that's significant um mm-hmm. the only thing it's the same offense. It's the same downfield passing tree. Um, it, you know, they're running the same plays. Um, the, the, there's no 
I mean, they were already doing what they were doing to engineer guys to be open. Um, and it's not a magic trick. I mean, Joe Moorhead has a couple of magic trick plays, but they're in sort of the RPO run game. Um, mm-hmm. In the passing game, you know, it's I don't want to describe it as traditional because I'm not sure what that means in football anymore. But like there's no magic tricks to the downfield passing game. He stands in the pocket. He reads his progressions. You know, he throws to the dude who's breaking open, you know, on the basis of of that route structure. Um, You know, it requires the quarterback to read the defense properly and to make an accurate throw. And like the Anthony and I think the reason why. They selected Anthony Brown as the quarterback. Why they, you know, got him to transfer from Boston College is that having watched his film at Boston College, they and I and many observers, um, including Urban Meyer of all people, were like, <laughs> this dude is, you know, this dude's perfect. You know, this this dude's, you know, an NFL, he's got an NFL arm. He throws, you know, the way that the NFL values passers. Um it are our skills that Anthony Brown has and, and does very well. And then for the first, you know, six games or so while he's at Oregon, it's just not there. And it's like kind of baffling, like, I mean, really baffling. Like I don't have an answer at all. And, you know, what we've seen the last two games is like, Oh, uh, I'm going to be that guy again, you know, and I, I don't know where it went. And so therefore I don't have an answer for why it's come back. Um, I, I I simply don't have an answer, but you know I, I I can tell you that that's the only thing that's changed. The structure of the offense hasn't changed. Now I can tell you there there's one other thing that I guess I should mention, which is that uh, Oregon um, for the first through the Cal game they were a about fifty five percent rushing team, mm-hmm. and the last two games against UCLA and against Colorado they're more like a fifty five percent passing team. What's the ten percent that's changed? It's way more screen passes, um, a few more downfield passes, but it's mostly that they've really increased the number of screen passes. Now that may be related to the opponents because as I you know documented in my articles, UCLA really can't defend the screen and Colorado was not as vulnerable to the screen but they typically are playing with a seven-man box um and you can induce them to play that way and you can induce them to just not be good against the screen so like screens are eating into the run count um but it doesn't change it doesn't really change uh that's not relevant okay that is relevant to the box score because the box score is stupid and doesn't understand the difference between downfield passing and screen passing. And so when you see Anthony Brown having like, you know, 20 completion, you know, 20 completions out of 29 attempts, you got to remember that like, you know, a third of those are screen passes and those are basically right. automatic completions, you know, and I'm telling you to sort of toss those out, you know, yeah, the screens are great, but where they're really getting like big yardage and what's really like, impressive out of anthony brown and also kind of a mystery for like where did this come from or 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 where did it go and how did it come back uh is the straight up downfield passing at which it's not an illusion or anything it's not your emotions aren't tricking you like no he's way better at it now it he just is um it's not that the receivers got better it's not that they got receivers you, you know like it's the same group of receivers you know devin williams didn't suddenly grow up and become a great receiver he just started trusting devin williams and making throws mm-hmm. to that guy you know i think like, they just became roommates is my guess <laughs> like the, the last week two weeks they finally found each other's bunk buddies i think they've been roommates the whole time 
but they had the classic line taped in between. Oh, and yeah. There was a big, like, kind of bottle episode, like, you know, battle between them. And they decided, finally got through some stuff. And now, yep. now they're together and they're going to take us to national championship. Totally. Now, um, the Heisman winner on that national championship winning team will, of course, have to be most likely Travis Dye. 13 carries, 47 yards, but he also got two touchdowns, five receptions, we're 75 yards in a touchdown. Dang. And uh, so that's another three touchdown game for another hat trick for him. And um, obviously, you know, he's doing great. He's a he's a veteran presence. But the offensive line, it, it, you kind of always got to go back to that when you see this amount of rushing success. Um, I remember really early on. Uh, I asked you if you thought this offensive line was playing like a national contender, maybe in like week two or something like that. Uh, do you think there's been some improvement since then, even with, you know, some turnover and such? Uh, are, are we closer to that? Uh, have we reached that? Uh, what are your thoughts on how this offensive line is performing right now? Um, their error rate over the last five games has been national championship caliber. Mm. Um the primary thing that's changed in the it, it, run their run blocking effectiveness has not changed at all. And it has always been excellent. Um, and in fact, this is, you know, this is absolutely crazy to me. The last three games, Cal and UCLA and Colorado, um, Oregon's rush per play efficiency has been above 75%, which is, <laughs> which is insane. 65% is a championship caliber number. Anything that's over 65% when it pops up, I usually wave my hand at that in my article and I'm like, obviously that's an unsustainable number and you'll mm -hmm. never see that again. It's just a curiosity. Oh, and it's a low sample size and, and, you know, <laughs> you know, single game performances can happen that way. I have I have never seen three in a row. I mean, it is absolutely bonkers. I've, I'm, I'm not kidding. I've been doing this for over a decade. I have never seen three in a row over 75%. I mean, it's an unattainable, like, I mean, honestly, the fact that we haven't only been talking about that is crazy to me. Like, mm -hmm. it's the most insane thing. Um, their run blocking is really good. Oregon's run game is really efficient um, and pretty explosive, too. And it's not just Travis Dye. You know, Byron Cardwell and, and Seven McGee were getting a lot of good carries. And and what's especially bonkers is that how they're reshuffling the line every game. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Yeah. And they're playing like they're playing guards at tackles and tackles at guards. They've got TJ Bass and uh, Malcelo Umavaila Ulu playing uh, tackle. Those guys are naturally guards. They've got Stephen Jones and Dawson uh, Jermillo, uh uh, playing uh, guard and George Moore, they moved him over from left tackle to guard. Now those are three tackles who are playing guard. It's like you know, cats are marrying dogs. What's the line from <laughs> Ghostbusters? Uh, uh, <laughs> like, I just remember that part. Uh, now uh, it's, it's it's true. This man has no dick. I don't know. <laughs> that's not what I'm referring to. I, um, it's, it is absolutely insane what the offensive line is doing now. When you asked me that question way back when, and I said, no, the problem was the pass blocking. Mm -hmm. And in particular, they weren't picking up blitzes very well. And then Alex Forsyth, the center, has been out the last couple of games with, I think, right. back spasms. Uh, Ryan Walk uh, has been snapping the ball. And all of a sudden, they can protect against the blitz. Now, I don't know if that means that Alex Forsyth is not a very good center. Um, I don't think 
that that's the case or you know it probably has more to do with the opponent um, supposedly should be healthy uh for the huskies i, I mean believe. who knows man but like I, I mean we all saw it nobody's laying a finger on anthony brown right like that mm-hmm. dude's you know uh they were during the stanford game and then after the bye week you know these last three games after the bye week no one lays a finger on anthony brown and fair, colorado run- laid a finger on him but it was just on his like lay his shins is yes yeah, yeah that one was pretty him. funny but that one yeah. was in the offensive line if you watch that play that was um i believe believe die mm. you know he, he picks up he picks up a blitzer but like you know D- die is making heroic efforts at pass protection but like he's not that big of a guy and so if brown's not getting the ball getting rid of the ball fairly quickly eventually the dude will just run over mm-hmm. travis die and grab him by the leg and then <laughs> throw some amazing pass trickling like look uh, you know the, uh, it was appropriate for you to start out asking me about anthony brown's performance and i spent a long time talking about it and just sort of being you know because it's pretty significant the quarterback is very significant in college football it's a big mystery but the real miracle that's happening is the <laughs> offensive line is doing stuff that we have never seen before mm-hmm. and with a completely new like philosophy about how you're supposed to play the offensive line. Like you should be writing books about this. Like I'm not like, this is so unusual what's happening um, with the offensive line. It's just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, I yeah. assume by switching them around like this, it also makes it very impossible for our opponents to get a good read on what we may end up doing when it's their turn to play us is that correct i don't or does that matter all that much i I don't really think that there are some teams that you watch where you're like oh that dude is the weak link attack that dude Uh so like uh maybe you remember the usc game in 2020 when their right tackle was super weak and you know, Oregon clearly identified that and put Kayvon Thibodeau on that guy's side, you know, and blew him up. Occasionally you find that. Um, I don't really think that that's the case for any one Oregon offensive lineman and therefore moving some dude around is a, is a shell game where you're playing like high right. vulnerability, um, especially because they're playing like a, up to an eight man rotation. I don't really think that's the case. I think I, I, I think that Alex Mirabal believes every week he trots out his best configuration of dudes or rotation, uh, rotational configurations of dudes um, and how he makes that determination on a week to week basis um, is an, a total unknown to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he may be a genius. Like he may be somebody who needs to write a book. Um, yeah. It's be- really interesting because he's like redefining what offensive lines do. I am not kidding about this. I, I know this sounds like hyperbole and, and being a, like a fan and, 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 and squeeing over. Like, yeah. I promise I am not squeeing over the offensive line. This is very unusual. Like the, the standard practice at every college football team for 50 years has been you select your best five linemen, including putting the natural tackles at tackle and putting the natural guards at guard. And you know what those body types look like. Um, and then unless somebody gets hurt, you play those five guys on every snap in every game. And that's that. And this is like, it's like, you know, because if you want to build a brick wall, you select the strongest bricks and you put them in place and you don't move them around. And Alex Mirabal is like, actually, the strongest wall is a force field in which we move the atoms of the bricks around like totally. a comic book uh, <laughs> uh, hero. Like it's 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 bonkers what's happening. And nobody's talking about it because nobody talks about offensive line play because nobody's watching film very closely. It's just it's crazy to me. Well, I love it. First of all, 
Uh, I want to do a quick shout out to obviously we said Cardwell. Uh, he scored his first career touchdown sure. for the Ducks, so hell yeah! And then uh, one more young Duck who scored, a, I believe, a first career touchdown. Troy Franklin, two receptions, forty-four yards, one touchdown. That's um, right. And the uh, one thing I love is eleven pass catchers, which is something we've done quite a bit throughout this entire season. Is spreading it out, which is one reason why no one receiver has necessarily. Uh, you know, jumped up as like the number one, though, honestly, the whole as a unit, it is a complete strength. Everyone has been showing up really well. Um, as far there, as the duck, there are weaknesses yeah. in over specializing in a single dude, ask USC. I mean, I'm not trying True. to dance yeah. on Drake London's grave or anything. It was yeah. really heartbreaking. That dude's on path to win a Blitnikoff, but like, yeah. the you know, over specializing, you breed in weakness. Mm hmm. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I, especially the perfect combination of like the slightly, you know, the less talented quote unquote players are veteran quite often. And then the most talented ones are younger, but just already ready to be plugged in an offense. So it, it well, was what happens is that Johnny Johnson goes out, you know, they're, yeah. they're a super veteran guy. He's out for the second half uh, due to that weird targeting on a special teams thing. He'll be out for the first half against Washington. Right. Batten and I about that. No, forgot about that because Oregon's yeah. wide receiver core is really deep and they distribute the ball to everybody. And they're not in a position where if one guy is unavailable, mm -hmm. the offense goes to hell. Like yeah. that is, yeah, that is honestly amazing because I legitimately forgot he yeah. was not in the game. <laughs> Which I don't think that's a slight to Johnny Johnson. I don't know. No, if Johnny, right. no if, it's if just Johnny everybody or else your is mom just also firecrackers, like, man. Yeah, it's, you know, that is a testament to, to, to it, it, this is the proper way to build a team. This is the proper way to build depth. It's why in the summer, Adam had to sit on all those podcasts in which I talked to all these, you know, uh, writers for all these Pac-12 teams. And I'm asking them depth questions. And, and they're telling me about like, oh, man, we got this recruit. He's a superhero. He's a stud. He's going you know, to like, yeah, and that means you're one tweaked ankle away from your offense going to hell, you know, yeah. like. Anybody who wants to tell me about their one, you know, I've got one weird trick to win the Pac-12. <laughs> there, there's no weird tricks to winning the conference. You have yeah. to build a deep roster. Because then all of a sudden you got three safeties getting injured in one game. Yeah, now, uh, wow. yeah, the defense. That's right. Yikes. Supposedly, I have read today in an article that Cristobal has said that all three should be good to go. I I certainly hope so. I mean, we had already talked about how the inside linebacker depth was really, yeah. you know, just getting brutalized and they're having to play a true freshman, a true freshman safety and a walk on at their other ILB spot. And then the safety yeah. spot was getting pretty bad, too, mm -hmm. with Stevens and Bennett Williams and, you know, Happel, um, you know, all being out. Um, oh, I guess the guy that you're referring to is Verone McKinley, who was like yeah. minor. For, up. They were, I think they were just yeah. like, and, and this is again, one of the, re I wanted to get into this too. Uh, I already said it a bit, but you know, uh, there were a little more points than either you or I wanted mm. scored on these teams. Uh, some of that is just clearly like, you know, like Verone. Well, the McKinley. last two were garbage time. Yeah. It's just like clearly yeah. garbage. But there, there was a bit of like, mm, yeah, they're pushing us around. However, when you're scoring, I mean, it felt like a Chip Kelly days, honestly. It's like, well, when you're mm. scoring at will, when you're scoring on every damn Yeah, that's drive, kind of what I felt like. I was like, they can keep scoring. We've shown that we're not going to not score. I, I yeah. mean, I think, 
I, I don't necessarily agree with that take, um, but I do think that is the, the solution. If Oregon doesn't get healthy yeah. at inside linebacker and at safety, and they're playing fourth stringers at both of those positions, then it is inevitable you're going to give up more points than if you had the starters. And if you're inevitably going to give up more points, then guess what? Your offense has to go get more points. It's just, you know, that that's the only, you know, we don't have access to med kits from Doom where you just throw a white uh, box with a red cross on it onto a player and suddenly they're healthy again. Like, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, Bennett Williams has season-ending injury, you know? Yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it's just the way that it, it works and that, you know, Oregon, you know, basically for this game, they had, you know, three inside linebackers and three safeties uh, out, um, you know, Williams and Happel and Stevens. And uh, if Oregon... This is kind of gruesome or macabre to think about, but let's say that that Oregon had to take six injuries on the defense. If it were spread around all the positions, right? So it's like one defensive tackle is out and one DE and one OLB and one ILB and one safety and one corner. Like sure. it, it, it wouldn't they wouldn't have given up 14 points before garbage time, you know, yeah. like they, that would have been, you know, tolerable. Um, the, the fact that they're all concentrated in, in two positions means that those positions are now playing fourth stringers. And like, I tried to document in my article, it's the number one problem with the defense is that yeah. like, okay, that's a fourth, that's a true freshman fourth stringer, or that's a converted wide receiver. And he's out of position on that play. And that's why the play goes big. And those big plays are the reason why they got their point. You know, I tried to document that in my article too. The two times that they score outside of garbage time are the times when they got explosive plays. And why did they get explosive plays? Well, the major one, you know, to be worried about is dude's out of position because he's a fourth stringer. Cause that's what, you know? Yeah. That's why he's on the fourth. string. Um, It was, uh, I don't know. It, It has been feeling lately. Like, the beating of Colorado has become a, a, a just something you can rely on. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's only been <laughs> twice in a row or something. Like well, that. I gotta to be honest. I gotta give a lot of credit. I mean, you were on that podcast we, we did with Jack. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about like Colorado's offense and like you know, Colorado fans are sort Game of like, life. Yeah. Well, it's. I give them a lot of credit. Like I, I was saying that their offensive line was the, the the first and foremost problem, and you have to give them a lot of credit. Like I didn't think this would happen. But I, you know, what I said was the first thing you have to do is fix your offensive line because it's always going to be terrible, you know, no matter what. And they fired their offensive line coach. And remember, I joked around like, oh, it's not like Mitch Rodriguez, their their fired offensive line coach, was putting cayenne pepper in their jock straps, you know, before games and causing them to actively play poorly. And therefore, if you fire him and he stops therefore being able to do that, they will suddenly bounce back and be a good offensive line again. But like, Apparently. damn, man, maybe he was. <laughs> maybe he really was a double agent from Nebraska who was sabotaging, you know, Colorado's offensive line performance. Yeah. Because like, it's not like they suddenly became a great offensive line. You know, that wasn't really the reason, um, mm-hmm. you know, why they were able to get done what they were able to get done. But like, it meant that they were not a god-awful offense that was going to score or zero points. It elevated them instantly from a terrible offense to a mediocre offense. And if you're a mediocre offense, there you can 
do stuff with that, you know. And the other thing, you know, and, and namely the thing that they did was that mm-hmm. they also went through their playbook and they got rid of all the plays that they weren't working. They got rid of all their 12 personnel under center stuff. They got rid of all their power runs that they couldn't execute. They, you know, they got rid of all their like sit in the pocket for three seconds and throw a deep shot. Like they got rid of all of that stuff and they just ran the sort of spread offense stuff that, you know, they were having some success with and are like, you know, like, uh, it's almost like they hired an analyst who was no, like, No, it's why because we... they listened to the goddamn Quack 12 podcast. Was, it's my uh, fault. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry, I think it's everybody. Clear. Every, every goddamn week, you get some lowly QB. I mean, maybe talented, but like a Brendan Lewis, but ain't putting I tried up to tell people that I thought that Brendan Lewis was a good quarterback, and I got so much pushback from Colorado Jack Barsh, fans. Too. Yeah, Jack uh, oh, I, from Colorado fans? It's yeah, not Jack. Barsh Jack didn't push back on that one because he was, remember, he was repeatedly said we're a pro Brandon Lewis, uh, you know, uh, podcast. But uh, yeah. from other Colorado fans, from other corners of the internet, we're all lighting up my mentions and uh, getting on me on Reddit. It was just like, no, the problem is that Brendan Lewis is a terrible quarterback, and I'm like, I don't he think he great. is, man. Like, he I watched this film, and like, if you, if you give him time to throw, he's got a pretty good arm. Throwing it to to to, to Brendan Rice is like a really good idea. That guy. Shout out to shit. Rice too. Like that dude can win 50-50 balls. That one that he caught against DJ James, even though it was perfect mm-hmm. coverage, was almost identical to a play that he had against Arizona, in which he also won a 50-50 ball. Like you know, like you give this guy some protection by having a better offensive line, and like you know, yeah, the quarterback's not the problem. I try to be very clear and Colorado fans weren't, you know, or some anyway, there's like, like a civil war within that fan base, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I was telling people it's, you got to fix the offensive line. Number one and number two is you got to get, get rid of these plays that aren't working. And if you do both of those things, then the quarterback will get the rest of it done for you. And like, I feel like that view was vindicated, even though I didn't think it was possible. Like I didn't, I did, I didn't think that Darren Chevrini would perform that analysis. And I didn't think that firing Mitch Rodriguez would fix the offensive line. And both of those things happened. And so therefore I guess I have some egg on my face. On the other hand, it is exactly the scenario that I outlined to Jack for how they would perform you know, improve their offense. So like, I don't know, I should get some credit, right? Like can't wait till (laughs) Dylan Morris looks like a goddamn Heisman candidate against us. Well, hey, I want to ask about their defense line. Is that standard practice that they go offsides that much? No, that was totally new. I don't. Because uh, like help us out. That I was never. Rough. Yeah, I, they were not doing that in previous games. Okay. I mean, every defense. I mean, once in a while, but like it got not to that a point much. where I was actually annoyed because it was Oxen, slowing the game maybe. down so much. No, I don't know. That was, was them messing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand that at all. It was also in my in my preview of Colorado. It was the thing that I flagged. Is like I definitely think the best unit on Colorado's team, offense or defense, is their defensive line, and mm-hmm. like. Oregon's offensive line destroyed them. I mean, just completely, just completely destroyed them. And like, I, you know, it would be easy, you know, obviously the easy thing for an Oregon fan to say would be like, well, that's because Oregon's offensive line are, you know, a crew of murderers. And and even the, you know, they go against the best, you know, Georgia's defensive line, which I guess they're going to have to do next year. Uh, Like, and it'll be fine. I, I sort of think something else, you know, I don't, I, you know, frankly, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand all those, you know, offsides jumps. I don't, I don't get it. It's not like they'd never played a team who uses a clap cadence before. Dude, uh, yeah. that clap. God damn. But Oregon's always it. been doing that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and we yeah. only got called on it once <laughs> during a, in a game and then didn't get called on it for all the other times. I, it's, yeah, it. no, it, um, 
Aaron, oh, you're you're talking about the the, the oh, disconcerting signals thing. Um, yeah, did no. You hear, that, did you hear the stat? Camden Lewis, the only Pac-12 kicker that's still perfect. On I the can't season? believe he said that out loud. I mean, I knew that was true, but that's like that's like commenting on a perfect game in baseball. Like, yeah, oh, you just jinxed the hell out of that kid. What are you I doing? I believe too much in my man Camden Lewis at this point. I love. Wait, him. how is he perfect? I thought he's missed an extra point. <laughs> I. In, in field goals. Yeah, they, they oh, just they goals. just held it to field goals. Yeah. Well, that was his biggest issue, so that makes me feel great, honestly. Oh, yeah. It is. I mean, that's another one where I don't have an explanation. I mean, I never have an explanation for special teams. I don't do film study on them, but, I, you know, beats me. I think he just clicked. I think he just, for some reason, it took an entire season for him to feel comfortable in front of people. I'll tell you this, Aaron. From now on, like, Cristobal does do a lot, some coach speak especially like injury kind of wise and stuff like that. But um, if he tells me or tells the media that he believes in one player or one player looks amazing in practice or one, one player over another player, you know, I'm a fit, like, I don't think he's playing games in that. I think he apparently 100% believes that. And he's yeah. seen some good stuff. Cause he's always saying that about Camden Lewis saying about Anthony Brown. You know, the funny thing too, about him I was thinking about this while watching the game because they were showing a lot of, they were cutting to him a lot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I really was like, this is a coach who knows absolutely everything that's about to happen. And he gets <laughs> pissed whenever it doesn't happen the way he knows it's supposed to happen. But like, he he looks like he's already won the game in the first three minutes of if, the game. If that's true, Aaron, then I'm, I'm pissed he let that pass from Jaden Daniels uh, go unguarded in uh, 2019. That's mm. all I got to say. Um, Y'all, any any final thoughts on this game? It was a beatdown. It was wonderful. It, was, it felt like a net crack game. Any final thoughts before we get into our next segment? Defense. Aaron? Well, I asked about the defensive line. I asked about garbage time. Any deep? I didn't. I didn't read any deep conspiracy theories this week. Oh wait, no, we have the conspiracy theory. What's that? Anthony Brown <laughs> is such an amazing quarterback that he's quite possibly shaving points and hiding it as sponsorships. Ah, okay. <laughs> and that's why the games always end up as close as they do. I don't like that before you said, oh yeah, we do have a conspiracy theory. You took a moment, literally put your hand to your chin to think up a conspiracy theory. Well, no, we're not here. We're not here making up conspiracy <laughs> theories. I want to report on the ones that are already out here. Yes, so today, would you like to comment on these thoughts? <laughs> uh, these allegations? Uh, no, here's my uh, parting thought. Uh, since having a punt blocked, uh, uh, in on the second drive against UCLA, Oregon's punter Tom Snee, yeah, Australian, good day, has man. not been seen. Oh yeah, good day indeed, mate. I guess so. Good Every day. other drive that Oregon huh. has had since oh, that blocked punt has been a touchdown, a field goal, or a turnover. Hey. Let's keep it up. Wow. Maybe not that last one, but uh, I thought you meant he was just, I thought you meant. I mean, I don't mean that I think he's been yeah. by aliens. I mean, I was, was like, yes. this, is conspiracy. this is the conspiracy theater. Um, but still that, I mean, amazing. It, it's really been a big turnaround. And like, you know, you don't account or a lot of fans don't account for sometimes people need some, some game experience. Even if you're a vet, to get better. Dude, 
you know? Sometimes you got to yeah. gel with everybody. It's, it's similar to the 10,000 hours thing, you know? Like, you do something for 10,000 hours, you should be a master of it. It's like, you just got to, or like, when you're on a tour, the first six, maybe the first three to six shows, you're kind of getting your fucking headspace right. But by like, you know, week three, when you've got 12 under the belt, Mm-hmm. It's just like, I get and it you. just takes some people a little bit longer on the tour to warm up. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go into our next uh, segment, uh, you bringing up Tom Snee, who's from Australia, I do believe, um, reminded me. I just want to do a shout out to our Australian listeners. We're number 82 in Australia for a college football podcast. Wait, did so, we just go uh, up? Weren't we 89 or 84? I think we I think we went up or I'm misremembering it, but. Who's going to prove me wrong? Um, so it's Tom Snee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, uh, he's entirely uh, responsible. That honestly it. could be like, it could be one person. I, like, I wow. just suggested that he got picnic and hang rocked. And, uh, <laughs> and you're yeah. suggesting that he exclusively is listening to this podcast. I love it. Yeah. So why don't you take a, a few stubby short of a six pack? Eh? <laughs> um, there you go, mate. Uh, have a little fair suck of the sauce bottle. Where are you uh, getting these from? I think he made the last two up. I mean, well, <laughs> well, you think that was a segment. This is a segment. Bottom 11. All right, folks. We already That's talked not about a Great, great transition, bro. <laughs> we already talked about number one in the pack. Whoop, whoop. Leading the pack, if you will. And that is the Oregon Ducks. Uh, it's really wonderful when this isn't like a... You know, a, a lie of a segment when it really is. We're number one. It's true. Bottom 11. Uh, so let's talk about the rest of the Pac 12, the bottom 11, if you will. Let's start it off with a goddamn head scratcher. Not because Arizona State lost, but more that Washington State is suddenly coming alive. Uh, without half their goddamn staff. The um, anti-vaxxers are gone. The morale <laughs> has gone up. I guess. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's addition by subtraction, man. Like maybe yeah. <laughs> you, were, you know they were dumb not to get vaccinated and they were holding the team back. I yep. get yeah. Maybe we should take this as a lesson, America. No. Um, but uh 34 to 34 to 20. Like all the hospitals that are firing people who won't get vaccinated and like health outcomes are improving. It's like oh, exactly. getting rid of our stupidest employees. Yeah, we, we fired everyone on our staff, on the Quack 12 staff that wasn't getting vaccinated. Very good. Things have only been going smoother. I, I elect, we gather up all of our stupidest humans. I don't like Ruth. And we going. send them to Mars well, to, to begin the next phase of the human genome. Well, I'm glad that you're beginning the next phase of your tyrannical reign, because that's usually <laughs> the kind of talk that starts. That I guess that's a pretty bad. Yeah. That, Once you start I saying, don't why don't we up? take all the people, gather them up? Yeah. It's usually, bad idea. We got to hear it now. Yeah. I hear it now. Bad idea. We can't have the Quack 12 podcast right. gathering. Wow. Up. Okay. But Arizona State. Wow. <laughs> Wow, they lost. Washington State wins 34 to 21. Uh, ah. this is in Tempe, and um, it, oh, it's just it. like four. I believe there was four turnovers, I want to say, in the first half. Uh, for uh, Arizona, they, they basically start the first three possessions with turnovers, like it was Ooh. crazy, terrible. And, and Wazoo was just like a decent enough team in every phase <laughs> to, to win. To beat Arizona State, who is not disciplined 
and uh, making yes. mistakes all over the place. And Wazoo, get this, Aaron. Wazoo, who I think is at, I want to say they're at four and four. I should definitely have this up. But um, they actually still totally have a chance of winning the Pac-12 North. Which would uh, no, they are five and four overall. Wow, they have a four and two conference record. We have a four and one conference record, and obviously we have yet to play them. So, Wazoo, interesting. I, I would be so pissed. Can you imagine eight four Wazoo wins Pac twelve North? Oh man, I hate it. Uh, but, if you recall, when we were doing our preseason picks, it's the game that I predicted that Oregon would drop. Oh, against Wazoo, yeah. Ooh, that is I. I'm gonna be so pissed if you're right. I well, if we had to lose one game on the remainder of our schedule, I I guess that's the one because I don't want to lose the Beavers. No, we're I, not gonna lose another game. It's impossible. Okay, a good point. Uh, speaking of which, the game after that was Oregon's 52 to 29 beat down. So there you go. Um, which that Michigan Michigan State game. I did enjoy watching that beforehand, but then I had to switch over. Um, for, I honestly did not. This is the one game I didn't even watch any of the recap of. Uh, so I'm hoping you watch this if the day I know Aaron didn't watch it because uh, I'm very curious of this one. USC 41, Arizona 34. So they did make it a game. Wow. And uh, spoiler alert for the pickums. I did pick Arizona. So I do feel like at least I was. Like, no, I really it. think my anti Arizona thing is working. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so far, picking against those teams was definitely a good idea, uh, especially against Arizona. You've chosen against the Wildcats every week. Maybe for one, I forget, but every nope. week, and they have not won. So you have That's been right. right on every single pick. That's did right. You, did you see this USC Arizona game at all? Nope. Or? I refuse to even allow any team from Arizona to be played on my television. Oh, well, it's I an I anti Arizona year, Adam. No Cardinals either. Nothing. Okay. Sounds even good. if they're playing the Seahawks, I won't do it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I don't think anyone wants to watch Seahawks this year. Um, I know Drake London got hurt. Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing player. Um, but uh, d- did you do you have any thoughts on this game? I, I saw there was a pick six. Arizona was rallying back. Looks like it could have been. A- it was the game we were I'm- talking about would be a toss up, right? Uh, I mean, USC's defense is real, real bad. Um, yeah. Uh, which Clearly. is as I th- think I predicted at the beginning of the year. And uh, and. And, you know, they've got a quarterback controversy. USC is a quarterback controversy and he only had, you know, one functional receiver and, and now he's no longer functional. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I sort of think UCLA is going to destroy this team um, in <laughs> whatever week they play. Um, yeah. No, USC is real bad. Um, they and, bad. And Arizona is, was never... <laughs> Arizona was never as terrible as Arizona. You know, they're on like a 20 game losing streak, but like they're not that, you know, they're not as terrible as that. You know, it's stuff. They're like, not I as think, bad as a 20 game losing streak. That they, is true. They, but they, they have on. like functional aspects to them. It's just like mm-hmm. they can't, you know, the, they, they, they need to figure out their quarterback situation. I would just go with Joyner. Like they're, they had the quarterback that they converted to a wide receiver and he was their best wide receiver. And then they converted back back to a quarterback and he's their best quarterback. <laughs> it's just like guys figure it out. Like, if they would have just is, goddamn transferred to the triple option already, they would be on a, I mean, they'd be doing better now. 
I'll tell is, you that much. <laughs> did is their coach Sherm? No, no, Herm Edwards. That's Herm. Arizona State. Ah, oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I can never remember where he coached at. Um, no, the Arizona Wildcats head coach. Uh, is of course, and this is of course not me uh, uh, stalling because I forget this bland man's name. Jed Fish. Jed Fish. This is dude. He wins a game. I'll remember his name. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, win a game. Remember no, I mean name. they're they're not going to win a game through the end of the year. Right? I can't really see any obvious, you know, opportunities. But like, yeah. I mean, look at how many teams they've played close. You know, like yeah. they're not. You know, they're not getting destroyed in these games. They played Oregon close. They played UCLA close. They played USC close. They played Washington close. Like, you know, it, it, it I still will say they're better. They're a better team than USC. I still will like, say that. Like, you know, they're, they're not. USC has way too much talent. But for a yeah, team that has they like, try that for a team for Arizona, for a team that has as little talent as they have and then as horrific as a quarterback situation as, you know, that that happened during the year. And like, and they started out the year with the wrong playbook. That's probably, that's on fish. Um, But like this, what he's done culturally for that program is astonishing. And I, you know, it doesn't show up in the wins column, unfortunately. But like, you know, I, I like those guys to have a better 2022 like I think that's a probably it has a that's a program that probably has better culture than a number of teams in this league. Um, I, you know, I, honestly, I'm kind of rooting for them uh, sure. at this point because it's also like it's a, a total like Russian roulette situation or, or some kind of less dire uh, uh, example uh, analogy, but it, it does feel like um, spin the mean, bottle, duck duck goose. Yeah, spin the bottle. Yeah, there you go. Um, it does feel like whichever probably, hopefully, Pac-12 team loses to Arizona, it's like, oh, you got that Arizona stank on you now. Like, <laughs> that will never and then they'll off. be cursed. Then they like lose 10 20 years. games. Oh, God, it's going to be us. Um, so after that, we had another head scratcher for me. Uh, or I, I had a lot more faith in the Beavers. A lot more faith in the Beavers, certainly than the Golden Bears. Not that the Golden Bears have looked terrible. There's a lot of close games. The Golden Bears have played too, but they had looked pretty, pretty mediocre in a lot of aspects of the game. However, against the Beavers, it's a little bit, it's more back and forth than you'd think with this score, but 39 to 25. 39 to wow. 25. They defend the Berkeley, California uh, home that they played at. It was. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised as, as hell, honestly, because I really thought turnovers. I mean, it's basically yeah. a pretty evenly played game, which you know I I expected that to be the case. Hmm. Um, but you know uh, the Beavs turned the ball over three times and the Bears, you know, zero times, and that's that. Although I guess actually the the Bears did a better job than I was expecting them to in containing um, uh, Oregon State's rushing offense, and I will yeah. eventually have to do film study on this game. I don't yet have an answer for why that was. Um, I don't think they were out any you know necessary players. Um, and I don't think that Oregon State's running attack is like a smoke and mirrors kind of deal where if you have like, oh, you just need to do this one thing, you'll totally shut it down. I don't really think that's the case for Oregon State. So I, I'm not really sure why that was. Um, I eventually, I'll, you know, the Oregon plays Oregon State's last game of the year. So, uh, you know, I haven't really done much film study on them, but I am curious about that one. But no, most of this game outcome can be explained by like, that's what happens when you lose the turnover battle three to zero against a team that is, you know, roughly as talented as you are. Are, and, are and those 
forced fumbles or interceptions or what, the, what it, they had a they had a forced fumble on I believe the first play of the game. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And, and then the other two were, uh, were interceptions that Chance Nolan. Th- I mean, I, I think we sort of always knew that 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 Nolan was not you know the greatest quarterback in the world, um, and, and that you know they were basically like. Oregon State was a run the ball, run the ball, run the ball team, and then like occasionally throw a play action pass, you know, mm-hmm. to keep the defense honest or to take advantage of the defense, you know, stacking the box against the run. And like no one could pull that off. But if it was like, dude, we need you to throw the ball to win the game, I don't really think he's the quarterback to do that. And sure enough, he throws two picks and puts him deeper in the hole. Well, mm-hmm. all I'm saying is if Neuer the Destroyer was starting every single mm-hmm. game, every single minute, they'd be undefeated. Um, yeah, so I- that one surprised me. And then uh, Utah. I guess when I sorry before we move, continue, please. I, I guess what you know. I think if they play that game ten times, you don't get Cal wins ten times. You know, no. a turnover. You know, three to zero turnover margin. You know, that's a that's kind of an it's an unusual event. You know, uh, and, and and I think if you replayed this game, you know, a few more times, you probably get a few more Oregon State wins out of it. It's, you know, it's just what happens in a otherwise evenly matched game when you have an unusual result like that. I agree. You think they win three out of those ten? You think they win six out of those ten? <clears throat> uh, yeah, a six. Uh, I think probably Oregon State wins this game six times out of ten. Wow. There you go. Now here we go. Huh. Utah defends their home against the battered, the bruised Bruins. That is right. Ethan Garbers, brother of Chase Garbers. That's right, Aaron. We actually uh, have five more passing yards than Chase did. Oh, there you go. You can rub in that in. In a losing effort. In a losing effort. Um, yeah, I, I I had this game. I watched most of this game. I had it on the background, flipping back and forth. Um, but it just never really felt like UCLA was going to really pull it off. I didn't think Garbers looked too bad, but he he didn't give them the positive that DTR uh, usually gives them if mm-hmm. he was playing in there. Well, at the same time, like if DTR is in there, I'm not thinking they're going to beat this Utah team in Salt Lake City. How long either. is he out for? I don't know. I haven't. No one knows. Yeah. Fuck, if if you look at the up. advanced box score on this um, game, it's pretty interesting because the the passing attempts go way up in the second half. You know, it's pretty it was pretty clear that <clears throat> Chip Kelly was like, we need to. I mean, for UCLA. Uh, for for Garber specifically, the, you know Chip Kelly knew he had you know baby quarterback in, and he tried to like coddle him and just run the ball, you know, yeah. in the first half. And in Utah, Utah's rush defense is not great, but they were doing enough to you know, and, and, and the offense was clicking enough. You know, they had like a twenty one point second quarter where it was like, okay, we're going to need you to throw the ball, Ethan. And he turns out to be like not a bad passer. You know, they yeah. probably should have been doing that from the get go. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, yet another game in which UCLA has terrible third down efficiency, but then goes for it on fourth down a ton. And like, I think this is their second straight game in which they're seven for nine on fourth down attempts. Like, Jeez. I mean, it's just like, Shit. yeah, no, you know, roll the dice, Ask. man. Yeah. Take it with with shit like that. They should have Chance Nolan on that team. I, I mean, I guess I put it this way: from watching this game, like I think UCLA's offense played well enough to win the game. Um, but, you know, the problem was just defensively Utah was, you know, they, they couldn't stop Utah at, at all. And like, and I don't think that Utah has an unstoppable offense. I think the UCLA's defense is just terrible. Yes. And figured out more to the point. Like, I think the teams have just figured out how to beat UCLA's defense and, and they're probably going to have a, you know, a tough go of it for, for 
Well, until they make some changes. Which and may... so what? The Utes are just clicking again all of a sudden? I don't I don't actually really have a good answer for that. And Oregon has to play Utah coming up. And the other thing right. is that having Maybe won twice. this game. <laughs> yeah, almost certainly twice. Um, yeah. Unless Oregon. It's more likely that Oregon doesn't make the yeah. Pac-12 championship game than Utah doesn't make the Pac-12 championship game. The scenario for Utah not to make the Pac-12 championship game is extremely. Yeah. Um, They'd have like everybody else sucks so like bad. Two well, or three. It's because they have the tiebreaker. They own the tiebreaker now against the other three teams in the South who could compete with them. Yeah. Um, oh. And, and they have so to lose every game basically. Something they, like Utah would have to lose two out of their following four uh, uh, out of their final four, and only one of them looks like a game that they could lose, which is the Oregon game. The other three look like gimmies. Um, whereas for Arizona State to catch them. Because Utah owns the tie, Arizona State would have to win out, um, and Utah would have to lose those two games. And Arizona State's schedule is just way tougher. You know, they've got to play yeah. Washington and Seattle. They've got to play USC still. Um, They've—I uh, forget what the rest of their schedule. Is. Obviously, Arizona—that's not it. I forget what the, th- the the fourth team is, but it's not a. I think Stanford. Um, so, like. Yeah, ASU's odds of winning out are low, and Utah's odds of losing two games are low, and you, both of those things have to happen. So Utah's almost certainly clinched the South at this point. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to learn a lot about Utah. Yeah, Utah, and I'm curious, too, because I, I have seen bits and pieces of Utah like throughout, and um, they've got such a baffling season where it's just like, you know, some of their highs or stuff where it's like, wow, look, they're really kicking the crap out of USC. And then weeks later, you're like, oh, no, no. Apparently, everyone can do that. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, right. and then like then lows of just like, oh, wow, Oregon State's thrashing them around. And then oh. Oregon State doing the same or, thing. And, or BYU beat them for the first time yeah. forever. But then BYU goes on to beat every Pac-12 team they play. Yeah. Honestly, I would love to play BYU. I, I wish they were up on the You'll schedule. You'll get um, your wish in next year. <laughs> True, true. Um, and then final game of the last week, uh, Washington beat Stanford oh my God. twenty to thirteen. This game is they did, so terrible. They did oh four God. four goddamn field goals. Uh, were the first oh. scores from Washington. So God, it was this is like, one of those boring games, dude. It was brutal. I I believe it was twelve to six or something like that for a while, and then. Stanford scored a touchdown and then uh, Washington does a final drive, scores his touchdown, picks off McKee. Um, there's also, uh, I believe, a couple of um, turnovers uh, throughout this game. And yeah, uh, it, no, that's Washington. What, yeah, that's they won it. I believe it's three to zero on the turnover margin, which um, I did call. I called favor. that at least, but then I said Stanford would win. I said Stanford would throw. Well, technically, I said McKee would throw three interceptions and they would win the game. Uh, that did not happen. Damn. Well, was, you came close. I mean, it was two interceptions and a, and a fumble. And they like, almost won the game. Uh, but this but was like, the way... If Stanford's but, gonna, oh sorry, continue. If, if the if if you're plus three in the turnover column and you only win by one touchdown, then you suck. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I agree. And you score one touchdown against a team not known for having a back-breaking defense like right. well, and the other thing was that it was like stanford like they kept throwing into a good pass defense mm-hmm. and they just abandoned their like you know they abandoned the run which they probably shouldn't have and like you know 
Oh man, it was just yeah. like David. It was crazy. I sent out a tweet about this. Like, it's David Shaw being stubborn, but he's being stubborn about throwing the ball. It's just like, oh, I'm glad to know there's one characteristic of yours that never changes, which is stubbornness. Yeah, um, he'll he'll go back and forth on that. But uh, yeah, that stunk. I, I wanted to see Stanford win, but I don't. I mean, in like either way, I guess it would have been better for us for Stanford to win. But who? goddamn cares um and it was the way like if washington's gonna win a game in 2021 they're gonna win it like this way but they're gonna do it by like hopefully our defense hopefully you're throwing all the time um like, and, boring and the other team to well yeah they're gonna be like hopefully we are just able to sit on you enough and your offense is bad enough where you're truly not going to be able to score more than you know 20 points and then hopefully I don't know, like they, they, by some goddamn miracle, they can get like enough points to beat a team. I mean, I would love to see Oregon just like never throw a pass. In sure, this, we in may not need to, like, like yeah. or just only screens. You just like don't even bother. You yeah. don't need to. Like if Travis die wildcat percent. That's and, it. And Washington's rush defense is this bad. Let's just like, yeah, just run the ball every time. It it seems yeah, and like I'm. I hope I'm excited for this um, to see Oregon's defense against this truly, truly terrible Washington offense to see Kayvon Thibodeau, like take on like oh, Dylan man. Morris. Like by the end of that day, I may feel bad for him. Like, yeah, Washington's <laughs> just arrogant enough to think that they can stand in the pocket and throw, you know, deep balls like, and they kind of have to, because the only way they get explosive plays, yeah. they're not, they don't have an explosive rushing offense at all or really any kind of rushing offense. Um, like, yeah, no, uh, uh, that, you know, Dylan Moore is having to set up in the pocket with his big wind up to, to hurl the ball deep and Kayvon Thibodeau coming for their tackles. Like, yeah, no, that could be, um, you know, Colorado made the wise decision to just pull those plays out of their playbook. They never tried to set up in the pocket, you know, mm. for, for deep yeah. throws, like, because they were just like, we can't survive this pass rush, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand instantly. Like UCLA was arrogant enough to think that they could do that. And they paid the price. And I, you know, I feel like Washington is arrogant enough to do the same thing. That has been pretty amazing too. Cause I feel like Stanford did that a bit too, getting the ball out a little quicker and like, and, or getting it away from Thibodeau. And um, it, it's just amazing to have a player where it's just like just his presence in the game for, you know, the full four quarters makes it so the team now the other team has to figure out like has to have a different game plan because of one yeah. player on defense. It's pretty fantastic. And it's why we should get more five stars. That's always been specifically <laughs> five star edge rushers. Like there's, it's really the only, yeah, yeah. the phenomenon that you're observing is, uh, is correct. Uh, his mere presence affects the game. Um, and yeah, it's why those dudes go first in the draft is because they're game changers, like quarterbacks and five star edge rushers are game changers. And everybody else is like, well, it's nice to have, you know, I need a lots of bricks in my wall, but like, yeah, those dudes yeah. change things. Hell yeah. Um, that being said, let's get into the final segment of this, uh, uh, oh, quick, I need a Australian saying, um, I've got this page pulled up. Uh, what's the John Dory? There we are. Expression means, but there you go. Didn't you give us one last week? You said something about like getting stanko or dranko. Oh, or? you mean you go on a smoko? Smoko. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love you crazy bastards over there. Um, that being said, uh, final segment. Uh, the, pig. the pigs. The pigs. 
Adam, Man. I'd love to open up this uh, segment by saying and asking, did I get a perfect score this week? Did you get a perfect score? Did I get all five? You've right? been sitting there just planning it, right? You've just been sitting in your head being like, okay, how many? I know I got that Yeah, I was one. like, did I get that one? I think and I you got were that really, one. You're really thinking about it. How, how well did I do? Well, let's see, Aaron. The great pick'em challenge, as you all see. Here they are. Mine on the left. Aaron's on the right. And now we will reveal this is Damn, bigger gosh. than the college. Oh football. dang! I went with Oregon State. I really did thought I went. First the of all, other for way. me, pretty bad day for me, as you can see. <laughs> I went with Oregon, and that was my correct pick. And then for Aaron Schroeder, everyone but the Oregon State pick. So right. damn close. So that would leave us in the inverse score here. I got uh, one correct. You got five, correct. Thank God Oregon won to keep you above water, bro. Dear Lord. What if I what if that was the week I chose against go against Oregon too? Against that would be hilarious. Colorado. Um, yeah. So uh, wow. that of course I congratulations for some. I just ran away with it. That's yeah. We were super close last week. That's right. I had gotten into one within one point of you, and then <laughs> boom. Uh, suddenly you 39 points to 34 points. So from now on, I, I can it. tell you, I can tell you my strategy. I'm picking against every goddamn thing you do, my man. Oh, wow. I, I have to, you're up by five. I have to, you do. There's okay. only so many weeks left. Unless okay, I, I think, really to, unless I think there's I one need to that. harness my Zen state for these picks because I want to get up by 10. Well, have you been doing, Oh, damn you. Okay. Did you harness your Zen state last time? I think I was just naturally in it. Maybe you got to do that then. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to go natural. Okay, all natural. Okay, First of all, by the way, I love your all yellow duck look. You know, that's my favorite uniform of yours. Dude, the bucket speaking hat. of which, mm -hmm. I don't ever want to see another bee costume on an Oregon duck football player for the rest of my life. It made no sense. A bee? Do you saw a bee costume? They were wearing the black and yellow. They looked like a bunch of bees. Oh, you mean like a uniform? Yeah, it was. Oh. It, I thought you were talking that about was the costumes. Thing I wanted to talk about earlier, I forgot about that. There was costumes in the stands because it's Halloween. I thought you were talking. Well, about those. I like, were the, I like the girl Luigi. dressed up as Guy Fieri. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the spider. There was like six Spider Men. I thought that was really funny. Just to have six. I always think that's yeah. Terrible. I, I saw like the there's Mario Brothers crew. Oh yeah, that was. Good. I love seeing that. And honestly, damn, did it feel good. That was like, I think it was probably the first game watching it on TV where I felt like this season or since the pandemic, um, where I felt like that is a true, it wasn't even like, I don't think sold out, but like felt like a true home crowd, felt like what it should be like, felt yeah. loud. It felt, had that I mean, ruckus energy. Yeah, they brought the ruckus, my man. I loved it. Um Let's get into these goddamn picks, though. As you can see, I got the schedule up here. Let's do it. Utah at Stanford started off 7.30 p.m. FS1. This is a Friday game, folks, y'all. Ute versus the Cardinal. It's a Friday game. It's, it's after Friday dark. Game. After dark. I'm going Utes, baby. You're going Utes, so you're going the safe pick. I mean, you already know where I'm going. Yeah, um, if you keep your word. But not only that, but I mean... You said it yourself, dude. This is Pac-12 after dark. This is a Friday game. This is this is a team that we just said that is a shoe-in 
for the Pac-12 South, and they're taking on a team who has looked straight bad, a, a, right. a dead-in-the-water Stanford. That can only mean that Stanford is going to defend the farm and get the win in front of Probably. zero people watching this game in the stands. And so for that, my pick will be the Stanford Cardinal, my favorite team. My, I mean, not my favorite team. Uh, <laughs> busted. Do you think I got a shot in this, Hith? Do I have a shot at Stanford winning? All right. possible, sure. right? Yeah. Okay. It's Is it a do. good shot? I mean, no. But right. weird <laughs> upsets happen in the Pac-12 all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Wazoo We've already his... seen one for Stanford. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They've beaten the best team in college football in 2021. So they can beat Utah. Um, after that, we got California at Arizona, 12 p.m. Pac-12 Network. This is a tough one, my man. Cal, definitely on the up and up after uh, beating you-know-who, beating the Beavs. You know Arizona needs a win. What? Here's what I think is crazy. What? For some weird reason, I actually think Arizona's going to win this game. Oh. But it's anti-Arizona year. Going with Cal. You're going with Cal, but you think Arizona's going to win this game. Something in my bubbles tell me that Arizona's going to win this it, one. It would be extremely Pac-12 for Arizona to win this game. Yeah, and I got to go with them. I'm going with your heart. And so when you next week, when we get to this point in the show and you see Arizona won, just remember you doubted your own heart, and that's why no, this happened to you. I went with my head. Same thing. One or the other. Anti-Arizona year, baby. Okay. Oregon State, I hope Arizona wins. I mean, I hope Arizona wins one. He went against a 15 point line on Arizona Sucks to pick Wazoo over Arizona State and was rewarded for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. That game alone got both of our tickets to the national championship. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot to put the money on it. Oh, no, no. I put money on it. Don't worry. Oh, good. Well, then you're paying. I'm a Oregon, millionaire now because of that game. Oregon State at Colorado. Ooh. I would love to be at this game because I want to go to Boulder <laughs> sometime. Um, Beavs versus Buffs. Oof. Both coming off a loss. Oregon State, Colorado. And that defense thing was unusual, but still colors the situation. Well, the offense thing was unusual for Colorado. I think Colorado's going to win this game. You think Colorado's going to win it? I do. I'm glad you said that because I... I, even though last week I felt confident in the Beavs, um, I'm feeling confident in them again. Hopefully I won't. So this is Good natural. I'm, I'm choosing naturally. I'm not, I don't even need to go against you. I know this is going to happen. Beavs going to win. Lock it. Boom. If? Oh, I mean, we're going to say should win. <laughs> See, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a whole screwy week we got going on here. All these games are all screwy. Yeah, no, this is a screwy week. You're right. Oregon at Washington. Let's say our picks at the same time on the count on zero here. Three, two, one. Oregon. Oregon. Okay, there we go. Oregon Ducks, baby. And um, this will be. Let's just let's just talk for a minute here. Da Ducks. Hithliday, what it, what would be a more crushing loss than Washington? Let's say to win by like two. Let's say they beat the Ducks 14 to zero. What would be a more crushing loss than that that you can remember? Like the most recent crushing loss that felt that bad. 
Maybe not even 14 to zero. Let's just say they beat us. Doesn't even matter how. I, I feel I, like I can't even remember a loss. I guess ASU, but it would feel worse than that, in my opinion. I, I didn't feel crushed by that loss. Yeah. Uh, if Oregon loses this game 14 to zero, I would feel like the 2007 game against Arizona when Dennis Dixon's knee blew up. Damn. That's, like, that's dark. That's as bad as it is. That's dark. I mean, because because I mean, I I'm sp- I imagine speaking for you here, where it's like it's just because how bad this Washington team is, and t- so t- for them to be the thing that you stumbled on, and you're no longer going to be making the playoffs uh, in a in a season where you beat Ohio State, it would truly and you would be giving the Washington Huskies fans something to like live on for yeah. so goddamn long. I agree with you, Hith. Like uh, maybe maybe the Alamo Bowl cuz I I felt pretty crushed. Uh obviously that's me being a very privileged duck fan. Like I've grown up in such great times for the Oregon or been a fan of the Oregon Ducks in such amazing peaks that that little, you know, that huge embarrassment there. It's you still had nine wins in a season, so maybe it wouldn't be as bad, but I, I would say it's it would hurt me about as as bad as that Alamo Bowl to lose this Washington well, game. Well, you know, this reminds me that we haven't actually done a game preview in forever, but I wanted to ask a question about this. What's that? How good is Washington at stopping quarterback runs? Uh, bad. Great. Well, then I don't have any issues with this game. I was beginning to fear that something was going to happen tragically happen i like to the think, only touchdown they gave up to stanford was a quarterback run i like to think that aaron it did exactly i mean this isn't what happened but exactly what joe moorhead did planning for this game coming in he was just like how bad are they at stopping the quarterback from running and they went bad and he's like all right i got my plan now i, yeah, I, I, I know mean, what we gotta do Look, dude, that that might be all he needs to do. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, the biggest thing that I'm worried about in this game, I'm not kidding about this at all. The biggest thing I'm worried about in this game as an Oregon fan is that Joe Moorhead will outsmart himself and try Mm -hmm. to do, you know, fun stuff against Washington's defense when because their pass defense is pretty good when he doesn't need to at all. Um, Like that's my number one concern is Joe Moorhead being like, it can't possibly be as easy as just run the ball on every play. I've got to do some weird. Oh, no, we turned it over again. Yeah. He's going to John Malkovich himself. It, especially because it's it's so funny, like 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 take the Ohio State playbook, like play by play, just use that goddamn thing, like the way we were just slowly marching up methodically, like that's what we need. It'd be so lovely to see. Um, Ducks gonna win, baby. Now I just jinxed us. Uh, USC at Arizona State is the final game on the slate, seven thirty p.m. ESPN. Man, two defeated teams. I mean, it's even. At least USC, at least they can be like, well, we're going to get a new coach. There's going to be optimism. I, I kind of think Arizona State's going to get a new coach, too. Yeah. Oof. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, there's there's a I'll say this conspiracy theory. I, I heard like uh, I forget who, but some credible writer 
said something less credible where he was like, I'm hearing rumors that a certain Pac-12 coach will be out this season, like, you know, keeping it nice and vague. Uh, who knows if any of that is true, but like uh, you would assume it'd be Herm Edwards if this is the next coach going to get fired. But, and I, I really don't think it's going to be Chip Kelly, but I mean, like if Chip Kelly wasn't Chip Kelly, you look at his resume, you would definitely be thinking like, eh, maybe it's time to move on from this dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, USC at Arizona state, Aaron Sun Devils versus the Trojans, the Texas team. I Texas think we all Trojans. know where I'm going with this one, Adam. What's that? USC. I'm going with that Texas T. Okay, going with the Texas T. Um, it's an anti-Arizona <laughs> year. Yeah, that is your catchphrase. That's, it is. I'm just going to nail it in there. P.S. Uh, if you're a listener and you, you're you living in the state or from the state or love the state of Arizona, but you're a big fan of us, um, fuck you. No, that's right. Also, <laughs> yeah. if um you have a team that you'd like me to, me to be or a state for that matter to be anti next year send it in <laughs> and i'll in. and i'll do it we'll add it to the list we'll add it to the list thanks we'll- for listening uh fans in arizona but yeah, yeah f off um I, I i'll go with arizona state just because it's as good of a guess as any well you have um, to yeah wait without- a second adam at the what? beginning of this segment yeah you said you're gonna go completely against me but yet yeah, I didn't. You picked no, Oregon. Oregon. You game. have to pick Washington. I don't have to do shit. You do. You have, have to hold your word. I'm the uh, <laughs> Hitler Day. Do, is, do you think I? Sh- what? Do you, who's who? Are you gonna side with? I I will never encourage anyone to pick Washington. There you go. <laughs> I'm sticking with the Ducks. I'm sticking with the Ducks. Um, without Y'all's morality is very bendable. Without London, uh, what are you? Are you intrigued? of what USC is going to look like, or are you being like, why should I pay attention to this dead corpse of a team? Like, why should I try to like throw in like what strategies they got hanging out there? Or, I mean, obviously there's players that are still going to be on the roster, but a lot of them probably won't be on the roster next right. season. You know, like, um, do you, I mean, do you to watch be perfectly game? honest, my interest in USC has waned, you know, pretty considerably because Oregon doesn't play him in 2021 or 2022. That's right. And oh. the only reason they would play them is if they made the Pac-12 championship game. And this team's so bad yeah. that like, you know, I don't think they'll make it in they're definitely not going to make it this year and i don't think they're going to make it in 2022 and it's like okay i guess i'll start paying attention to them again sometime in the middle of 2023 like yeah so i I definitely will cop to like i have stopped really trying to suss out what's exactly wrong with usc um you sound like every usc fan that is on reign of troy right now and is forced to watch usc i mean listen to their podcast they've kind of given up too they're so funny i'm not trying to indict them at all it's just like there's like the emotional energy to to really engage and like solve these problems like oh you know it's you know it's just not there like i i forget what it was but the other day it was like instead of previewing the upcoming school uh, you know, the upcoming week, they were just like, all right, let's talk about some uh, coaching candidate, you know, because it's just like, there's just, I mean, I would be in the same thing. If if I was seeing Oregon look like how USC looks out there and their head coach was already fired. And not only that, but I had been living under 
the abusive head coachingness of Clay Hilton for years of just having to watch that team. Uh, yeah, I would be this podcast. We wouldn't even be freaking preview in Washington. We'd be talking about I don't know scary movies or something like that. Uh, I mean, but that, I, I love. We them. have done that, and we have done that. Yes, we have done that. I, I actually was listening to uh, shout out to Reign of Troy, wonderful yeah. podcast, because I was actually listening to them, and they ended it with a wonderful segment where they, because you know uh, they're engaged, and so I love hearing the like, like soon to be married people quabbles get into the podcast. And oh, they were sure. talking about like hangers and how they need to buy like new hangers but they all gotta look the same but i loved it uh, i i we gotta do more rambling on this podcast i try to but you keep it steered pretty well yeah well uh <laughs> we just need to get more references in there so that is um that's it my friend uh that's the pickums we got it i went against you with everyone except for the the game that matters Against right. Washington. Uh, later this week, actually, we're going to be talking to a uh, a Washington Huskies uh, uh, informant, uh, not informant, um, knowledgeable mind. What am I? Expert. Why was that so hard? There you go. A Washington Huskies expert coming up on the Quack 12 podcast later this week. We're going to be breaking down the roster. Um, it should be, uh, hopefully, we'll learn some stuff. And, Does this uh, expert have a name? Sometimes I like to keep it vague too, because you don't know. Sometimes these guests they pop on, then they can't do it. Then you got to get a new one. But sure. keep it nice and vague, and I just say Washington Huskies expert that you're gonna love, right? Uh, you know they know. So keep your eye out for that. Hith uh, and I will be breaking down that guy's mind, seeing how these Huskies are gonna be attacking us. Um, huge game. I mean, it's hate week, Aaron. Do you feel the hate in your heart? Do no, I don't. I hate the concept of hate week. I think it's stupid. Yeah. See, this is where we got to. This is the one place. Well, one of the places you're falling as an Oregon Ducks fan. We got to get that hate in your heart. So no. it can blow, grow into a seed. No, what we need to do is get that country fair air into oh, no. my lungs. Oh, boy. Aaron, we'll, we'll get you to hate Seattle yet. The city you currently <laughs> live in. It won't happen. All right. All right. Um, Hitler Day, it was a pleasure having you on, as always. Uh, at Hitler Day, the number one on Twitter, at H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one. Uh, Addicted to Quack is where you can find his wonderful articles uh, entitled Duck Tape, in which he breaks down either the previous week before or the upcoming opponent for the Oregon Ducks, once again, on Addicted to Quack is where you can find those um, Hithla Day. I, I rarely ask you this, but I just I want a score prediction from you, Oregon versus Washington. Let's hear it to end this podcast. I want a score prediction. Oh, I think it'll be a relatively low scoring game. I trust that Moorhead will do the smart thing and, and, you know, just run the ball a lot, which probably means a relatively low possession game. So I think we're probably looking at like 24 to 10, you know, or 27 to 13, something in that neighborhood. Mm. That feel nice. Oh my God. Those like SEC. Well, even nowadays that doesn't even mean it, but that low scoring kind of game. I would love that, but still a dumb. Uh, a, a game that Oregon's in control of the yeah. whole time, but like, you know, probably not going to crack 40, you know, just because, it's, yeah. you know, they're, they're probably only going to have, you know, nine or 10 possessions in the game. And I agree. And, and I, again, playing conservatively, I'm, I'm with a lead in Seattle. I am fine with that. Um, Aaron, what about you? You got a score prediction? Maybe this is a 
week, you can just nail it. I'm going to go. I'm going to say they do crack 40. They're going to get 42 points. And I'm going to say there will be three score-winning drives that are score five plays drives. or under. Three score-winning Okay. Um, I'm not quite 21 sure. 21 points will be scored Okay. off of five plays or less. Wow. Okay. I like how specific that was. Thank you for that, Aaron. I, I'm I'm going to put money on that. Washington will make one field goal. Okay. That's there it. There you go. That's it. So you're saying 42 <laughs> to 3. I like it. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's a dominant. It's be 42 you know. to 3. Well, okay. And then so my prediction. As for my prediction, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about this week. Uh, by the way, this is the Quack 12 Podcast at Quack 12 Podcast on Twitter. I'm thinking uh, we lose.